The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew. Jesus instructed the twelve as follows. Do not be afraid. For everything that is now covered will be uncovered, and everything now hidden will be made clear. What I say to you in the dark, tell in the daylight, and what you hear in whispers, proclaim from the housetops. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Fear him, rather, who can destroy both body and soul in hell. So if anyone declares himself for me in the presence of men, I will declare myself for him in the presence of my Father in heaven. But the one who disowns me in the presence of men, I will disown in the presence of my Father in heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I want to speak a little freely on uh, what I think these um, readings are pointing towards, as I said, for the sake of the mission. Just last week, the diocese, the clergy at least, um, gathered in Rockhampton for some of our in-service. And for one of the days we were hearing from the speaker, and for the other two days, some of the staff from Cathed in leadership and people from Catholic Care and people in the Finance and Administration Department uh, of the Cathedral were there. And we were listening to a theologian from Boston. His name is Father Richard Lenan. Father Richard um, is a well-studied man, and it was really a pleasure to be sitting at his feet and to question him. And we probed quite hard to know what it is that he wants to tell us. Uh, he spoke to us about ecclesiology, which is the theology of the church, what exactly it is. He spoke as well about what we're now calling co-responsibility, the fact that it can't possibly ever be the pure responsibility of the clergy to drive the mission forward. And I don't think any of us think that, uh, not even subconsciously. The mission is ours by virtue of our baptism, right? By virtue of the gifts that have been confirmed in the sacrament of confirmation, uh, all of us have this burden, this happy burden, laid on us to proclaim the gospel, that which is hidden, to make it known, that which Christ has whispered in our hearts to broadcast it from every roof, rooftop we can find. Um, and he spoke also of this thing called synodality, which we've been hearing a lot uh, in the lead up to or in the process of this plenary process. Um, I'm going to say something a bit vulnerable here, and I don't mind saying it so long as you don't go and tell everyone, don't broadcast this from the rooftop, that all this talk about uh, synodality, to some degree, it, it, it unsettled me. Uh, I, I'm sure I'm not the only person here who loves the church we've come to know. You know this is a beautiful church we have. Um, and I'm not talking about just Star of the Sea. This is a beautiful church. Uh, we're celebrating our centenary soon. But the Catholic Church is this glorious thing that we've seen and we've been nurtured by and we're invested in and we're interested in. And so when things seem to be moving, and sometimes they move quite fast, and sometimes they move in strange ways, I think it's only natural that we become concerned uh, if, if people have been concerned by, I don't know, all of that. So in short, uh, while, while I've been in touch with this, sometimes the word synodality and things around that were, 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 was like a buzzword. And it's like, oh, I'm starting to tune out on this. What does it even mean? 
But after hearing from Father Richard, um, I have to say I'm far, far more, let's say, enthused and hopeful and inspired, in fact, as to what uh, the church is moving into here in this era. It's no, it's no, it's no um, mystery or, or anything that we're unaware of, that we live in a very rich milieu of cultures and philosophies and, and all of that. The mystery of the Incarnation is that God, holy and pure as God is, would dare to enter into the muck of this, this world. Like God so desires to be close to us, so desires that we would be close to him, that he will brave anything, not just come here and share our flesh, but then look what happens to that flesh. We have it in all of our churches. We're not in denial about the, the reality of the scandal of the cross. This is like a crazy thing that we Christians believe in. <laughs> Our God would come and die for us? Yeah, this is God. This is the God we know. Uh, the Father who, who doesn't even miss a sparrow falling to the ground and is attentive to us. The Spirit, the same God, sent into our hearts, uh, speaking through our prophets, etc., etc. And then the Son himself. I want to talk about um, really fear and love and truth. I think that's what this boils down to. Um, you'll see in the, bullet, in the bulletin the last of those gifts of the Holy Spirit. We've been looking at all of them from Pentecost onwards, and the last one now is fear of the Lord. Um, have a look at that little article and pray for that fear because it's a fear which is the deepest possible relationship with God. It's a fear which is keenly, keenly aware of just how sensitive, just how vulnerable, in fact, God makes himself to us. This is the intimacy that God wants with us, that we actually have the potential to hurt him, which is what sin is. Sin is an offense against God. It sort of ricochets off and offends a whole lot of people in the process, including ourselves, but it's an offense against the tender inner, inner core of who God is, because God doesn't hide that from us. Even if it is hidden, uh, he, he lays it bare for us. That's a holy fear that I think all of us need, and we need to cultivate it. As the church continues to discern her way forward in the world, as she holds strong to the beautiful tradition that we've come to know, as we proclaim the gospels that we've inherited and the, and the rich, rich corpus of um, of, of of wisdom and truth. As we do this, we're doing it, hopefully, in a deeper and deeper and deeper reality of prayer. Uh, at the end of all of those sessions, the deep sense that I got is that our best efforts are impossible without this genuine filial posture of prayer. Because what we're doing is, is a bold, bold claim if you look in the Acts of the Apostles in chapter 15, Father Richard picked up on this, uh, the church is discerning, this is the embryonic church, is discerning uh, what to do about Jews and Greeks and all those who are sort of coming to Christ. And the big debate, the first one, was do they need to be circumcised? Because every Christian prior to that was a Jew. Every Christian prior to that was well-versed in Mosaic law, and they tried to adhere to it as best they could. So the church got together, and together with Paul, who was 
very intentional about missioning to the Gentiles, they discerned no. Circumcision is not uh, the, the common ground on which we stand anymore. The common ground is baptism. This is what the church decided. And in chapter 15, it says this bold, bold thing. It says, we um, decided this, I'm paraphrasing here, but it says, we decided and the Holy Spirit agreed. You think about how scandalous that sounds. It's like we got together and we made this decision and yeah, God agreed with us. This is what synodality is meant to be, which is always a move in faith. We can't arrogantly say those kinds of words because they're horrendous words. It's a horrendous thing to say. Uh, but that's what we're being invited to do, which means we need real deep faith, which is keenly, keenly aware of those movements of God amongst us. Um, how can I be sure that what I feel in my heart is what the Spirit is in fact stirring? The Spirit's involved, to be sure. The Spirit is closer to us than we are to ourselves. But just because I happen to be passionate about this issue or, or offended by that issue or uh, this is a big priority for me in my life. Okay, good. Bring it to the table. Let's together as church discuss it. This is the synodal process. Discuss it. And then we will all faithfully uh, press our, our um, hands up against the hidden things of God. Prayer is such a mysterious thing, but we have to become masters of it. We really do, as, <laughs> as soon as possible. We have to become masters of this invisible movement of God amongst us. Um, and, and who's primarily accountable for that? Well, each of us are. Each of us are. Imagine we've got two people in the front row here. And one is a Carthusian monk, okay? He's well-schooled in the practice of contemplative prayer. He's sitting there in absolute silence. That's not all he's doing. That, that might seem like all he's doing, but he's pressing into that silence with, with a radical, radical awareness of the divine other who is present to him beyond perception, beyond what he hears, what he sees, even what he imagines and feels. He's not interested in that primarily. He's interested in the other who invisibly he's eager to encounter in a, in a tangible way. And then sitting next to the monk, you've got someone who's just bored out of his brain and he's sitting there basically daydreaming. Exteriorly, they seem to be doing the same thing. Like, who knows? But interiorly, we're accountable to who exactly it is we're reaching for because he's reaching for us. This is, think back to Holy Trinity Sunday, this is the movement of the Trinity in our lives um, and, and the destination, in fact, that we're going to. You'll remember those words that I often recall, where Jesus says, um, the Son never does anything but what he's seen the Father doing. These words don't come from me, they're from the Father who sent me. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father, etc., etc. In John's Gospel, Jesus makes this painfully clear. They're the same, they're the same God. Like God doesn't misrepresent himself. God perfectly conveys exactly who God is in the person of Jesus, in the presence of the Spirit among us. We have to become masters, if you like, of knowing Jesus in the Word, in the sacraments, in the glorious uh, architecture of our churches, everything. We have, to come, we have to become masters of knowing the Spirit poured into our hearts, allowing us to cry out, 
as fellow sons and daughters, Abba, Father. Knowing the, the Son and the Spirit, we have to then come to know. And this is difficult because the, the Father doesn't come and proceed into the world. The Father's never going to become incarnate. We're not going to be able to look at him in the eyes in the same way that we look at Jesus or to, or to feel the, the stirrings of, of the Spirit, of the Father, like that we do with the Spirit. The Father's different. The Father is that invisible kind of luminous blackness that no one can penetrate. But what else are we doing in prayer? We're reaching into that in faith so that we can confidently say, we've discerned this. We've brought our very best thinking. We've listened endlessly to every single voice in the room and on the planet. And we've raised that up as a humble offering. It's almost like the Eucharist itself. We've raised it up like a humble offering and said, Father, does this please you? Is this, in fact, your will? Let your will be done. Your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. This is what the church is being invited into. We have to become masters of that awareness as soon as possible. 